That's Questionable, a podcast exploring religion, asking difficult questions, and encouraging honesty. You can join the conversation at thatsquestionable.com, That's Questionable podcast on Instagram, or at thatsquestion01 on Twitter. Welcome to That's Questionable, the podcast. Uh, here with Nathan, David, this is Jim. How you guys doing? Doing yeah. well. Yeah. I'm good. 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 Glad to hear it. Anything new and exciting going on? Well, you just met what was new and exciting in my household, our I new did. puppy, Ivy. Ivy. Bull, bull terrier retriever mix. So oh, she's a it's like having a toddler in the house. <laughs> it's fun, though. She's got this vicious killer kind of instinct. She does not. She uh, lick you to death. Yeah, she's she's a sweet dog. She has she has figured out how to how to put Lewis in his place, so that's good. She's not taking anything off of him, so oh, that's okay. good. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. Man, very cool. Yeah, are you up at night with her at all? Or uh, no, because technically she's not my dog. So Amy <laughs> is. Uh, <laughs> Amy I just is because uh, I just laugh because it you know the one who says that is the one who will end up taking care of the dog. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> no, she loves taking care of the dog. Okay. And so it, it uh, so she's the one that takes her out for the walk and and so she's having to get up a couple of times during the night. Yeah. So because she's eight weeks. Yeah. So. Is it is it a planned thing? She gets up at certain times, or does uh, Ivy let her know? Yeah, we've told her to wake us up at ten and nice. Well, twelve and two. Man, that's a trained yeah. dog. Yeah, yeah. So it's good. It's really good. It's great. She's yeah. a sweetheart. How are you, Nathan? Man, life's fine. It's just uh, you know we're what uh, I realize. You know, uh, these are going to come out later, but man, we're what two weeks from Christmas from yesterday. Mm. Yes. So yeah, we're right in the middle of the December. So it's um, no, I think it's good. My kids are really excited, and uh, you know my you know Hannah's been you know it's just been it's been a good time right now. So um, Thanksgiving to Christmas time is always always fun and pretty active at my house. So you know we watch all the movies. You know we get you know we have fires in the fireplace and. And, you know, I think we did the other night, we did s'mores in the fireplace. It's just, you know, it's just that time of year. So it's just everything's, something's always going on and everybody just kind of enjoys themselves. So, yeah. Well, you've also got the Buckeyes. Yes, go Bucks. In fact, this podcast will be dedicated towards dissecting and talking about the, st- the statistics and the probabilities of Ohio State winning against Clemson on December 28th, right? Is that what we're talking about today? Yeah, we just lost Every all three listeners have just shut off. <laughs> have just shut off all the three podcast. Listeners, or it's us three. We're the only three listeners. <laughs> Our wives. Okay. We don't count yeah, as yeah, yeah. all the yeah. Yeah. So uh, no, no, no. Life is good. If you're a Buckeyes fan like I am, then life is very good. Um, I'm a little afraid how it's going to go against Clemson. They're a great team, um, and they're definitely a threat. So we'll see how it goes. So yeah. So you're you are from Columbus. Yeah. So I am obviously, by my accent, not from Columbus. Yeah. <laughs> Jim, how you doing? I'm doing well. And yeah. with that accent, he's straight from Seattle. Yes. Yeah. Seahawks are having a good year. Yeah. yeah. Huskies let me down. Yeah. Oh. You know. 
Those There'll be other years. Man, they can come out next year and have a great year, though. Yeah, you know, Chris Peterson resigned here. Yeah, a few days ago, and have they replaced him shocker. yet? Yeah, they they replaced him uh, with the defensive coordinator. Okay, and that was a good move. Uh, we'll see. Okay. Yeah. You just need the 49ers to choke, uh, and you need uh, the Titans to beat the Saints. Then they may have. Um, they might field advantage. Yeah. yeah, there you go. I'm thinking yeah. ESPN might pick this podcast up. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Titans are looking That's good this year. Very questionable. Yeah. <laughs> That's questionable. <laughs> so, so yeah. So, so we mentioned Titans. We we all we all live here in Nashville. David is a native Nashvillian. Nashvillian. Yeah. Um, yes. I'm one of the few. Yeah. A Nashvillian. A Nashville. Yeah. The big nasty. Yeah. The big. <laughs> the big nasty. That's great. <laughs> Anyways, that's so. actually a thing. East Nashville, which is you know the the skip, the the hip, uh, skinny jeans capital of Tennessee, is called the, called East Nasty. Yeah, that's what well, they call it. Yeah, because that's where all those uh, it's where all those Christian musicians live. Yeah, and that wasn't a dig. I just uh, that was just you know that's where they are. Yeah, they're the skinny jean. It, it, you know, by percentage, Christian musicians wear more skinny jeans per hour per day than any other people group on the face of the planet. Is that a Barnum? Yeah, that is. It's a Barnum. <laughs> Barnum. Yeah. <laughs> if they haven't done that study, they need to, because they'll be impressed by the numbers. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. so since we're all throwing background out here, we've kind of, kind of not done that to this point. Um, yeah. Uh, but Nathan can speak about Christian musicians with authority. That's yeah. right. Um, Absolutely. Anyways, so Jim, I'm ready to jump in. How about you? I, I, I've got a question. Yeah, how about you? Ask away. What is love? <laughs> I'm not going to sing the song. Okay. I'm not going to do it because it's okay. going to sound horrible. Right, and it might hurt us. <laughs> So we usually have kind of a base question, and then we, it, it, what is love according to the Christian definition, or just is this just a general casting of the line? I mean, I I kind of have I, I have some thoughts. How does um, it equate to that's questionable? Uh, well, it is a question. Um, my view is that uh, that the love that I had been taught. Um, resembled love in in no way whatsoever, and so uh, maybe the first question is, what do you think love is? Did you ever have a different view of it? Um, yeah. Does that, does that ring your bell at all? Yeah. So um, you know, growing up. I experienced love from my parents, which um, I do, you know, believe is, you know, was uncon- unconditional love. Uh, I, I think I mentioned in the first podcast that even though my dad was a minister, um, it's funny I put even in that. Even though my dad was a minister, he was the same at home <laughs> as he was yeah. at church. And... So love to me was not hypocritical. How unique. Very unique, yeah. You know, I, I think, too, my parents, I mean, I don't, growing up, and, and I felt like love was, they were very, 
I don't know. I, you know what's funny is, is I grew up going to church. We were a very evangelical church family. But at the same time, I never felt like their love for me was based off of... Um, I think I, I just feel like they were extremely genuine. I think my parents loved me and my sister be, purely because we were their children. It had nothing to do necessarily of what they believed. Maybe if my parents were sitting here and we were talking to them, they would say, well, we, uh, you know, whatever that might be. But um, I don't know. I've, I, I just always had this sense growing up now that I think, think back that um, they just, they just loved us because we were their children. So I didn't think that they were hypocritical. Now, my parents were never employed by a church. We just, just went to church. So maybe that was a little bit different than, you know, David being able to say that because mm-hmm. you grew up as a, as a church employee. Your father was worked yeah. there. So. He but, was a uh, minister. Yeah, minister, not, not an employee. employee. Sorry. Yeah, he was Big difference. My man, bad. man of the cloth. Let's man of the that's cloth. Right. That's right. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I never doubted my, my parents' love for me yeah. when I was a kid. I, I felt pretty certain of it. Um, I had a, developed further insight into it when I became a parent. Um, mm. You know, when I, when I first became a parent, I, um, I was overwhelmed with the thought, man, did my parents love me as much as I love this child? and this next child, and this Mm -hmm. next child. Certainly they did. Um, But as I grew into parenthood, um, you know, I I had questions about that. You know, I I was able to look back on on, uh, some things that happened when I was a kid and different things and, and question, wow, you know, uh, but, but where I've landed in all that is that, um, they did the best they could. Yeah. You know, society was a different, a different animal back then. And, yeah. uh, and so I, I, I truly believe they did the best they could and, uh, they loved me to the best of their ability and, you know, that was all great. Yeah. Well, I mean, parental love is not perfect. You know, I mean, uh, I mean, I, I've got kids and, you know, I'm flawed. And so, you know, I don't, I don't think the standards for, for us is perfection. Uh, I think all love is flawed to a certain extent because we, we all bring baggage into that uh, relationship. And... You know, my relationship with my kids is impacted by my parents' relationship with me because that's the way I was trained up. Yeah, I I have apologized uh, to my children many times for whatever their father issues might be. Yeah, I, I've done the same thing. I, I've had to say, I'm sorry because, you know, you just don't... If they're looking for a perfect person to be their father... Uh, they're in the wrong family, <laughs> well, yeah. but I but I I think they're in the right family and uh, and probably will never uh, even consider such issues uh, because you're willing to say, hey, forgive me for whatever those father issues might be. You know, mm-hmm. people who 
who love poorly, people who uh, who are abusive or or that or commit, you know, are are more than imperfect. Uh, typically, don't talk to their kids about it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I have to admit, man, my upbringing, upbringing, I had a very good, I had just had a very good upbringing. You know, my, my father was very, um, supportive. You know, I played, I was way into golf and I was on the golf team. My dad helped me learn how to play golf and, um, and it just kind of came to me. So I was able to play and compete and made the golf team. And, you know, my dad came out to practices and he came out to every single match I ever played in. I, and, and unless there was something holding him back, like was it a work thing, he was always there. And so, um, he was very supportive. And so I felt that, um, I felt that immensely. So, um, I've even told my parents, I was just like, I've got nothing to complain about my upbringing. Like, I don't even remember my parents being overly religious with me. Even though we were religious people and we grew up in the church and we all volunteered, my dad was a deacon and my mom played um, piano for the, that you, you know, we call them worship teams now. Back then it was the hymnal team. <laughs> you know? <laughs> the hymnal team. I've never heard that phrase. I, haven't, I just made that up, okay. but I'm trying to differentiate the way music was with the way I grew up with what it is now. And it was the hymnal team. It was in a book. Yeah, yeah. it was a book and a piano. And, yeah. um, you know, and so um, that it just it just wasn't, it really just wasn't overbearing. And so, and I appreciate that. I appreciate that more now than I probably ever did back then. But, um but the thing is, is where I think things can go uh, awry, in my opinion, is 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 um, is when we get skewed um, views of what what love is. Um, um, you know, and you guys are going to say all this stuff way better than me. But um, but when love becomes a condition that you have to meet for, to meet approval. Um, you know, whether it's, you know, so within the church, you know, um, I, I, I don't know. I, I, I don't even know how to ask this question or bring this up because I think it can, it can become very, um, it's a huge subject, but I think love is one of the easiest things to be twisted around because once we, once we put a measurement on love, it's not love anymore. It's now manipulation or control. And I think that's what a lot of people are. Um, I think that's what a lot of people have experienced in life. So um, I don't know. I, I'm just kind of saying that. You guys say things. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, let me say this. Uh, this, is, this is some scripture here. He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. Uh, we're very familiar with that uh, verse, uh, mostly the God is love part. Yeah. I don't think there's anybody in Christendom that would disagree with the statement, God is love. Yeah. Uh, I would also say that in Scripture, uh, there's a very good, um, outline of what love is. Uh, love, uh, suffers long and is kind. 
Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself, is not puffed up, does not behave rudely, does not seek its own, is not provoked, thinks no evil, does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth, does not, uh, I'm sorry, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things, love never fails. Would, would anybody disagree with that? I mean, that would be... I don't think anybody would disagree Anybody with that. would say that's a great definition of love. So that is what love is. Paul would even say there is no law against these things. Exactly. Yeah. So, uh, so here's my question. And this is maybe flushing out the what is love question uh, for further discussion. Um, so how do, and I, I think I've said it on an earlier podcast, um, I firmly believe that um, love has been interpreted by Scripture as opposed to Scripture being interpreted by love. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. Okay, so... What I've seen, what I've experienced, what uh, is happening all around on a daily basis is things that resemble this picture of love being called love that resemble it in no way whatsoever. Hmm. What do you do with that? Okay, so there's two different ways to look at that. Are we talking about uh, resemblance in terms of people? Or resemblance in terms of God, because uh, God is love. Well, I'm, I mean, uh, I'm, I'm mostly. I was thinking of people or or uh, or actions. People or actions. I mean, there's yeah. a lot of action in this uh, this picture of love. Um, and so, well, um, let's start there. I, you know, when it comes to people, I think. I have a little bit more uh, grace in that because we're a person is flawed, so nobody's going to be perfect at all times. I think whenever um, I, part of the preparation I did here was I looked at um, the uh, CARM website, website, which is the Christian Apologetics website. So this is what this is how Matt Slick uh, identified. Love. Biblically speaking, love is other-centered devotion. Love has characteristics such as empathy, compassion, and kindness. And then he goes into, this is what the scripture says that love is, and he references 1 Corinthians 13, 4-9. I'm sorry, 1 Corinthians in honor, in honor of our president, who as of this day is maybe impeached. Um, so um, it's that other-centered devotion. And I, I do, uh, do kind of like that because love can be kind of abstract, but I think a lot of what love should be is focused on other people. Um, I think what we see now is a lot of inward-focused love, for ourselves and how things impact us, but I think what's what's good about the definition in First Corinthians and the definition that Max, Matt 
uh, Matt Slick gave, what it is that it is an outward focused love. So it is, it is you know, our interaction with other people, how we should treat other people. I don't disagree with that at all. I don't disagree with yeah. that at all. I yeah, that's I mean, great. yeah. I've always, you know, premarital counseling, any counseling I've done, I've always defined love as, as yeah. being other centered. It's when yeah. when you care more about someone else than you do yourself. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I, I agree with that part. Uh, you know, where where it. I guess where it takes a turn for me is when uh, things that I see, abuse that I see, um, violence that I see in the name of love um, makes no sense to me, you know, and I, and I believe that they arrive at that. So, well, go ahead, Nathan. Well, yeah, I I see that too. And I, I guess, I guess where love starts to break down, especially within Christianity or Christendom, as you would say, maybe that kind of encompasses a bigger picture, um, is when when love is disguised as, hey, we need you to be obedient to what we're doing. Um, you know, how many times have we heard people say, well, I, you know, I'm just telling you that you're wrong and you're a sinner because I love you. Um, there's no, uh, but yet there's no compassion and there's no room to allow people to be people and to develop and to live their lives and to, um, and to become the people that they need to be through living their life. What we want to do is, is we want to control people, um, by telling them they're either by calling them sinners or obedient. Um, and, and we want to disguise that. As well, I can say all these things because I I love you. Well, that's where my experience within Christianity I start saying I start calling um, um, foul is because no no now we've crossed into the territories where no you just want me to be a certain way um, because you don't you don't like something. I mean, um, and my example would be a lot of times where family members, mom, you know, parents. Um, try to control their children um, because they don't want them to go down certain paths, you know. Um, um, and I know we all probably have a lot of examples, but I think that's where love uh, love is abused when we try to control people. Um, and we try to, I think churches, our church or evangelicalism or Christendom a lot of times, you know, we do this to say, I, you know, I keep going back to what I said before. I just think everything boils down to heaven and hell. We try to wrangle everything back to that. And so love is, is, hey, I'm just trying to keep you out of hell. So, and I, cause I love you, you know, but really, but in reality, what you're doing is you're kind of trying to control other people's lives because you want people to act a certain way. Um, and that's where I think we start to have a lot of huge issues and, and abuse. Yeah. I mean, so, uh, so let's go back to God is love. You know, if you, as, as we said, Chris, no one in Christendom would disagree with that. Yeah. No, God is love. And so then, uh, so we interpret, uh, love by looking at scripture. So if God is love, 
And then I'm reading scripture and he wipes out all of the Amalekites and he wipes out everyone in Jericho. Well, that must be love because God is love. God did that. Yeah. Therefore, any violence that I might have towards a group of people, um, people who don't believe or think the same way I do or, or have different ideas, that's love. That's right, and that's the, and we see we see that we see that in the modern era. We're not wiping out people, but we are we're marginalizing, we're emotionally wiping out people. Yeah. So um, this coming into this podcast, this is one of the things that I thought about. So I was I was looking actually at this scripture that you brought in to the podcast and read, and so when it says that. Um, God is not jealous. Well, according to the Bible, uh, God is jealous. So in Deuteronomy 4.24, it says He's a jealous God. In Exodus 25, it refers to Him as a jealous God. And then it even talks about um, basically punishing the children to the third and fourth generation uh, because of them you know, following you know, other gods. And so... I think uh, it's hard to define the Christian God. Well, let me rephrase that. The biblical God, if you take the stories literally, and we had a big conversation about that in the last episode, but if you take that literally, it's hard to imagine God fitting that part of this description. Yeah, and so so as an example of interpretation, which is what we're talking about here, we're, you know, whenever we talk about biblical, we're not talking about what the Bible says. We're talking about a interpretation, a, an interpretation, you know, from somewhere. So if if we uh, if we interpret uh, uh, God based on Scripture, or we interpret love based on Scripture, then jealousy is love. Hmm. Yeah. Now okay. I wouldn't agree with that. Yeah. You know, just to go on the record, uh, because it absolutely doesn't make any sense. It's yeah. not selfless. It doesn't fit. It doesn't fit this. Uh, what I would call uh, this corrective, um, this corrective description that we find in First Corinthians thirteen. Yeah. And so, so rather than looking at scripture and interpreting love through it, through all these things that uh, were blamed on God throughout history and then saying, Oh, that's love. I'm like that. I'm look at me being godly. Mm -hmm. Uh, Well, maybe we need to interpret those scriptures through love. So if love is not jealous, then that scripture Mm -hmm. that you shared is not accurate. Hmm. Oh man, you just said the right thing. I just really do believe that. And and that's a hard thing for people to swallow. I think that's a hard thing for people to, and and that's what I guess this podcast is about, you know, being that's questionable. It's just like we have to because people do become confused, you know, Um, you know, and even in a modern day sense, um, we do think that, 
you know, our jealousy when it overtakes us, you know, if we think that our jealousy is a good thing because we love somebody, um, we've, we've gone, we've gone the wrong direction. That's not love. It is. It's not love. It's like when you have two people that love each other, um, you have to give them the freedom. You know, jealousy is going to cause you to force that person to show affections back to you where love will be patient and will be kind and will see if that person will show affections back to you on their own time and their own will. Yeah, thinks no evil is not provoked. That's exactly right. And, and, these, are, and these are hard concepts, I think, to understand um, in today's age, because I think at the end of the day, like you're saying, we pull these verses out of the Bible and we think we're, we justify ourselves in our actions by these verses that people that realistically of what you just said, we're just, we're just interpreting verses, uh, for our own pleasure or for our own will to do whatever we want. So we can justify to ourselves in our own minds that we can do whatever we want to do. Yeah, which is the opposite of, of uh, you know, it doesn't seek its own. Mm-hmm. Love doesn't seek its own. Jealousy is all about seeking your own. That's right. Yeah. So the the other thing that, and I don't, I don't know what version of the Bible, what translation you're using. I think mine's the Niv. I'm using the right one. 1611 straight from heaven, baby. <laughs> the Niv, the New International Version. <laughs> Uh, so, um, the way this phrases it is love does not brag and is not arrogant. So my question again, if, so you're, you're bragging that your scripture is more accurate than, no, no, I'm just trying to (laughs) frame this conversation in a certain way, because what I'm getting to is, is that, is that Christian Christianity continues to focus on God the God of the Bible as being the accurate picture of who God is. And yet, if you look at the Bible, how can you say that the Bible, that the God of the Bible does not brag? He, he wants adoration. He wants, that, that's what the eternal, uh, you know, if, we, if you look at Revelation, that's what we're supposed to be doing for eternity. So, um, so I, 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 there's a disconnect there for me. And what's amazing is whenever I started to rethink um, and and reconstruct my faith system, this is the this is the subject that I really struggle with the most. Is is it seems to me like God really ex- supersedes Scripture? That Scripture really does not reference God. In the way it should, I'm not sure who God is or, or what God is personally. I, I don't speak for you two, but I, I do know that the there is a conflict in the Bible between what this verse says and what uh, and the way that God is described, particularly in the Old Testament. Yes, stark. So let me give you one one other thing. Yeah. So according to this version, and yours may say, um, keep records of wrongs. I don't remember exactly how you how. So here it says, does not take into account a wrong suffered. Is it? I'm not sure what it says in that translation. Uh, bears all things. 
Nothing gets after that. Uh, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Okay. I think it's before that. We may want to cut this far. <laughs> <laughs> no, this is great. I love this, actually. <laughs> so, um, and, and, and some versions it talks about it does not keep record of love, does not keep record of wrongs. And then in, in what I have, it says that um, that does not take into account a wrong suffered. So I, I want to just, you know, reference Revelation 20 where it talks about the books will be opened and, and believers and non-believers will be judged according to the book, the record. So That's according great. to this description, God does keep records of wrongs. So is this a list of love that really doesn't apply to God? But how can that be if God is love according to the Bible? See, God's, but, but God's allowed to do whatever God wants to do. It doesn't matter what's written down or what the law is or what the people are supposed to do. God can still do whatever he wants to do. And How many disagree with that? Uh, I do. I do too. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, mm. what kind of God is it that they don't even live up to what they expect the people to do? Uh, okay, let me, let me revise my, agree, my agreeing with that. <laughs> I would say that uh, God can do whatever he wants. Mm -hmm. And what he wants is to love. Yeah. And that's different. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm I'm not saying, uh, are you, so you're saying God can't do whatever he wants. No, I'm saying he can do, if there's a God, he can do whatever he wants. Mm -hmm. Uh, But what he wants is he wants to love. And, and I believe that, that the, the, this, uh, description is, is exactly, would be exactly what he's doing. So to answer David's question, uh, what does that mean about, uh, I would say that's an inaccurate, um, depiction of God. Yeah. Well, I think that tells us that we can't exactly right. We can't trust the description in the Bible accurately reflects God. So how do we know God if we can't trust the Bible to describe describe God? So, you know, growing up, our our way to be connected, really there was two ways to be connected with God and understand who God was. This is the way I understood it, was that one was through His Word and the other was through the Holy Spirit. So when we can't trust the Word... Um, I'm not sure we can trust the Holy Spirit because Holy Spirit <laughs> is part of. We can have a whole another have, segment on the on the Trinity. Oh, we will. We'll have another seg. We'll yeah. have one on that. Yeah. What's the deal with the Trinity? Uh, yeah, but but that 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 would come obviously later. But um, I I think this is very problematic. I think it's very problematic that that the that the God that that Christians uh, follow. Um, it's almost like Christianity, if you could pull apart, it's almost like the Jeffersonian Bible. If you could kind of pull apart the things that really was cohesive, it'd be a really good book. But the problem is it continually conflicts with one another. And I almost said you could pull the New Testament out, but you can't when you talk about keeping records of wrongs. 
And then, you know, a couple of books later in the Bible, uh, Revelation, you know, 20, uh, you have the reference to the books and the judgment. And there's other references of him keeping wrongs in the Bible as well. So uh, it, it just doesn't, it conflicts well, in my mind. You're absolutely right. I mean, I mean, at no point in time does the book of Revelation ever display God as a loving, as a loving God. I mean, if Jesus is coming back with, uh, with a sword, and I realize, I, I, I get it. I, I'm just saying this for the sake of conversation. I think a lot of Revelation, I mean, we realize that the, that, that the fathers, you know, as they are can, trying to canonize, you know, the, you know, the Catholic Church, as they're trying to canonize, they debated over whether Revelation was even supposed to be a book in the Bible for 300 years after the canonization or within that whole process. So people struggled with that whole thing. I don't know. Maybe we can have an expert on sometime that talks about how that actually happened. But I think people looked at that and just said, hey, look, this book is just a little, this book is just way too far-fetched, you know, how does, at the end of the day, how does Jesus display, you know, the man who wouldn't even, um, you know, the man who wouldn't even say an ill word against anybody else in the, in, in, while he's being beaten and being crucified, why does he come back with a sword that comes out of his mouth or with the word of his mouth or out of his mouth? He slays people to where the blood came, comes up to the bridles on the horses. This isn't, this isn't Matt. It doesn't match. And what's questionable about all this is the fact that somehow Christians are left to try to justify this in their minds because one, we're being plagued by the concept of inerrancy and um, you know, or divine inspiration, you know, you know, it, people are being called heretics because they they see it for what it is, you know, you know, Jesus slaughtering millions of people in a battle purely because they don't like him is the opposite of the definition of love, because earlier in the same book. He lays down his own life for the entire race of humanity to pay for their sins. So why does that now justify that Jesus can come along and kill everybody? Yeah, you know, it's all great questions. It, and, and it really comes down to, um, so you're giving, uh, there's, there's, is there two ways to look at the Bible, or are there more? So one way would be, okay, is it is every word true, uh, and is it inerrant, and uh, you know that's one way to look at it, which we we've all done that. Yes. Um, now we can then think and look and have the questions we've been asking and uh, the thoughts we've had, the scriptures we've brought up about jealousy, about revelation, all of that, and say, okay, so man, this is confusing. So you're, we seem to be giving on that side of things, the Bible, way more power than it should have. Yeah. Now, and then if the second view, and if it's the only other view is, okay, therefore, there's nothing in the Bible... We can't believe or trust anything in the Bible. 
because of these things that are obviously missing the point, uh, we are also giving the Bible more power than it should have. Mm-hmm. And so is there somewhere in the middle? Is there, is there a way uh, to interpret the things we're looking at? I would contend it might be possible to do that through love, to interpret the things that are in there. Maybe they're there for us to learn from. Maybe all of the evils that we see blamed on God throughout the Old Testament are warnings to us. You know, look, this is wrong. This is bad. This is, this is it. We've all experienced things, in, uh, people blaming God for things, in, in uh, evil things in our lives, uh, things that have gone on, you know, funerals. We've talked about funerals before and, you know, just all kinds of things that God get, gets blamed for. I don't yeah. know why God took him. You know, it's like, well, you know, maybe he didn't. Um. Uh, so maybe there's some ground in there, and and I know there there are some scholars out there who would agree with with what I'm saying. They've they've got some interpretations of scripture. Um, maybe at some point we can talk about uh, about Rene Girard mm-hmm. and yeah. uh, and and get into some of his uh, philosophical thoughts on on that, um, which are are fascinating. Um, but you know. It, I don't. I guess all that to say is is uh, at this point, if there's a God, uh, I believe He's love. Yeah. You know. And so, what does love look like? It looks like what we've been talking about today, and anything that is presented as love that don't line up with with these things that we've talked about, that's not love. Don't be confused. It's not love. We're not loving. Uh, we take that first to our own hearts and say, okay, man, how, how do I line up with this? How does, how does my interaction with my, my loved ones, my friends, my coworkers, my, you know, the person I run into at the grocery store or, or wherever, how do I demonstrate that? And why do I do it? Uh, not to please God. I do it because that's just the best thing. That's what life is about. That's what yeah. gives life meaning. That's what makes life worth living. Yeah. You know, I don't need this higher reason to do this. Yeah, I absolutely agree with you. I mean, who, who, darn it. I just, I just kind of lost a little bit of my thought there, but, um, um, but it was along the lines of, if you're loving, if you're doing a good deed towards somebody because you think then you're going to get a good reward in heaven, that's not loving somebody. Not love, not that's love. not love. That is a selfish desire to try to get something that you think you want. And um, unfortunately, we have too many pulpits that are teaching about getting rewards in heaven. That's why I still think, like I said before, man, wouldn't it be great if at the very end we're all standing there at the gates and then God says, or Jesus says, hey, how about for one one more chance to act out in love? Why don't you give up your spot in heaven to somebody you think is in hell? You take their place to show that love conquers all. And I'm telling you what, most people would go, heck no, 
I'm not doing that. I did all this stuff because I wanted to get into heaven. And that's the opposite of love. And um, that's why I just think that their manipulation and control can't be a part of any of the equation for love. Using the word equation to describe love is totally it's not right either because there can't be an equation. But using manipulation and control to try to get to love in any way, shape, or form has totally failed. So you can't control somebody to, to, and say you love them. You can't manipulate somebody and say you love them. You have, you have failed at that point. So can I read another quote? Yes. Okay. So thank you for your permission. Permission granted. <laughs> yes. I do not want to control or manipulate this situation. So I want to move this. Um, th- this is an interesting conversation to me because what what we're doing is really what, what Jim was saying was really moving this past scripture and really moving this to the action of love. So to quote Toby Mac, love is a verb. Oh, uh, free at last album right yeah. there. Uh, was it like 1991, 92? Yeah, I saw that on, it was some kind of a Jesus freak or something. I don't know. It was, well, that was, love. It was, it was free at last. Free yeah. at last. Jesus freak was the live album. Yeah, from see, the that's, tour that's the one that, I had, yeah. yeah, yeah. So, yeah, Love's a Verb. Okay. Well, no, Jesus Freak was also the, no, that was the next album. It was the Live at the Freak Show was live the, the live album. Show. That's the okay. one I had, yeah. Man, okay. trivia. So this is to quote the prophet Shakespeare. Uh, <laughs> Love sought is good, but given unsought is better. See? And that's you, a great quote. You, it, it's worth saying again. Okay, so love sought is good, but given unsought is better. So Does that means not expecting anything in return. Yeah, I think that's part of it. I think when we I think love that's received when we're not really seeking it. Um is, so this is kind of the reverse side of that verse. So this is, to me, you know, love sought would be seeking love. So if we receive love and we're seeking it, that's a good thing. But when somebody loves us in spite of ourselves, that's a, that's a good thing. Yeah. That's better. That's a better Same thing than, than when we seek it. And so, so it really is the receiving part of this verse. So whenever it talks about, you know, love is patient, love is kind, love is not jealous. The person on the other side of that, it's so much better when you get that from somebody and they don't have to give it to you or they don't feel obligated to give it to you, yeah. which I, I think you probably can't actually do. I don't think you can actually be obligated to give love. Yeah. That's yeah, a great and, point. Yeah, and I, I think seeking love is counterproductive you know i I think if if uh if what what we've been talking about is true um the best way to be loved is to give it yeah to freely give it and to sincerely give it uh there's no better way than to get loved yeah yeah i've got a quote too um this quote uh is from episode two of that's questionable and uh and david said it Whoa, it's a quote from David. It's, yes, that's questionable and that's quotable. 
That's quotable. <laughs> that was great. The traits of the fruits of the spirit transcend Christianity. That's just humanity. Uh, I would I would say love. The fruits of the spirit are love. They're reflections yeah. of love, and I would say that's that is it. So so what what we're saying uh, if and it probably is time for us to to wrap up this episode. Uh, God's God's bigger than the Bible. Is that is that possible? If there's a God, is He bigger than the Bible? I think He has to be. He has to be. I mean, absolutely. I think the Bible is a, in essence, is almost like a five percent snapshot. That's it. It's it's people who and ninety five percent of that five percent is inaccurate. <laughs> yeah. I, I think, think what you just said, though, that it's people's interpretation. Yeah, of that's what God, we've done. We've personified God. God as ourselves. Yeah, it's it's a very it's a very uh, uh, much a, a man reflecting God in his own image. In his own image. Yeah. So exactly the opposite, you know, of of the way God created us. Yeah. yeah. Let's go kill all the Amalekites. <laughs> And say God told us to do it. That's exactly, exactly. right. And yeah. it's no difference even today. I mean, the war, the war that Christians have put on, on, um, on, uh, on homosexuals, the war that people, that Christians have put on abortion, the war that Christians have put on anything, um, has become, has become, in my opinion, it's, it's just disgusting. Because it's all conditional and it's all based off of a perceived idea of being obedient to God, where God, if we're quoting, basically said, no, you love people unconditionally. You love them where they are. You love people um, for exactly who they are. And and we've, we have, that, I guess that's what I was trying to get to earlier is, is we love <laughs> no pun intended. We we define love by the Bible, which Jim is exactly what you said, and then we act that out. So when we can hate people because they are disobedient, uh, because we see disobedient people in the Bible, like you know Ananias and Sapphira, we brought this up before in a previous episode. It's just kind of like, you know, did God kill them, or was that story written because they killed them? And then they blamed it on God. Um, you know, I, I don't know the answer to that. But if God is love and God is patient, or love is patient and love is kind and God is love, then there's no way God killed Ananias and Sapphira because they kept some money beside and they lied about it. There's just no way. We have a contradiction. We can't, God, God has failed at that point in time if, if he was responsible for killing Ananias and Sapphira in my opinion. Man, I have so many questions. I do too. Um, so, but let, let's, uh, let's end this episode of that's questionable. And, uh, you'll have to tune in for the next episode to catch what those other questions Ooh, are. Is this kind of like yeah. a five part sermon series? Yes. It's a cliffhanger. <laughs> <laughs> so what's our, I mean, I'm just one next week. What's the? Uh, we need to figure out what the question is. Do they need to know? Yeah, they do need to know. I'm they, thinking we. It's how you doing? 
How you doing? That's <laughs> 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 uh, that's really good. Yeah. Oh. Well, leave Jim. Leave people. Leave people with. Uh, I don't know. I think sometimes it's easy to be, from our perspective, it's easy to be, for me at least, it's easy to be a little negative. So maybe we need yeah. to leave people with a positive, you know, something that's encouraging for people to go out and be. Oh, man. And so so the conclusion for me of our discussion today is nothing but hopeful and nothing but good news. And that good news is God is not who you've been told he is. If there's a God, he's not violent. If there's a God, he's he is long suffering. He's patient. He's kind. Uh, how does that play out, man? We'll let, we'll ask those questions later. But 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 fear not. Um, and love. We need to go out and love and do the best. It, you know, it, how uh, how often are are we looking for? Uh, we're we're looking for others to love us. It's this that quote David yeah. shared just shortly. You know, we, it doesn't work that way. You know, you can only receive love by giving it sincerely. And so, look for those opportunities. Um, uh, rejoice in those that do love you. If you've got the love of two or three people, if you've got the love of the genuine, sincere love of one person, that is much to rejoice about. So, uh, man, I, I couldn't be more encouraged yeah. uh, by our discussion today. Yeah. I, I hope our listeners feel the same way. Yeah, I, I really do believe that, you know, we confuse. I think everybody's on a journey. And I think anybody that's listening to this podcast is on a journey, too. And I think sometimes maybe they question whether they made the right decision or maybe they've, you know, they they worry about the fact that they're even questioning anything. Um, and I think we're trying to per, uh, portray to people that, Hey, this is a safe place that you can question things and you, you have the right to question things. Um, but also at the same time, I think people are feeling that they, um, maybe they feel rejected. Maybe they feel, maybe the people have looked at them and said, well, you don't believe what I believe, so therefore I'm going, I, I can't associate with you anymore. Um, it's very easy and very, very quickly you can get to the point where you can say, ah, screw you guys. And you can find yourself out of love. I've done it. I've been a part of it. I've had it done to me. I've done it to other people. And I'm just being honest about that. It's very easy to do, but... Um, um, in the midst of all of the questioning that we got to do, I think that we can come back to a universal concept is, is love your neighbor as yourself. That still, um, that still is a truth in the midst of, uh, uh, of our troubles and our journey that we're doing. Um, you know, the church that's rejecting you because you decided to ask questions is not loving their neighbor as their self, but yet we still have an opportunity to be able to do that. And, um, I think we need to encourage people in that. Um, it's very easy to hate the people that want to hate you. Um, it's very hard to love the people that want to hate you. Um, 
it's tough. It really is. And I'm really wondering what Jim is writing down <laughs> because the letters are so small I can't even read it from here. <laughs> He's got super Take, glasses. I'm taking notes for uh, for later. Oh, uh, okay, okay. You know, because, uh, you know, one question leads to another. Okay. Uh, yeah. Um, and, yeah, I, I, wa- I want people to be encouraged that, hey, it, it may be tough. You may be, if you're, if you're coming out of uh, a religious uh, system, um, it, it can be difficult. We, we all know that, uh, gosh, more than you can even imagine. Yeah. Um, and so we, we want to be here for you. We want you to be encouraged that uh, you need not be discouraged because... Mm-hmm. Uh, this is a natural thing. This is, uh, I believe, uh, and we'll ha- we'll have to get into this uh, because I am still trying to close out this episode. Um, uh, that that these questions and and this is a natural progression. You know, this is it, the people who are truly, sincerely seeking uh, the big questions in life. Why am I here? How did I get here? What's my reason? What's my purpose? Those things which which we've made a big point on about love today yeah. being you know a huge part of those questions. Yeah. Uh, this is a natural thing. You know the re- the rejection is just part of it. It's yeah. just natural. It's it's gonna happen. But but don't be discouraged in thinking, oh, what have I done? Where am I going? You're going forward. Yeah. You know you just have moved past that place that was yesterday yeah and most people aren't willing to do that no because, absolutely not. because and so for another time but yes. uh but thanks for for joining us on that's questionable and yes. we look forward to uh hearing your comments and thoughts about this episode and uh we'll we'll uh, talk to you next time Thanks for listening. Our greatest hope for this podcast is for you to join the conversation. You can do so at that'squestionable.com, that's questionable podcast on Instagram, or that's question a one on Twitter. We look forward to hearing from you. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast do not necessarily reflect the views and opinions of those casting the pod. 